meditations of our hearts be pleasing to our Lord, who is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I, Paul, am down here, 
Mary Eileen's on tape. Pastor Jerry is running sound. What is wrong with this picture? <laughs> but anyway, let me once again welcome you to Noblesville first. And uh, the uh, summer schedule that for all of us here didn't even change. We're here at 11. Wasn't that, that great? We're, you didn't even have to go to the 945, did you? Okay. You slept it? I did too. Not really. I, I knew Pastor Jerry would probably be in the booth, so I went over the sermon again. <laughs> By next Sunday, Pastor Jill is going to be home from her trip where she has been visiting some of the places the Apostle Paul traveled and preached and wrote about. And uh, we're also anticipating in August, when August arrives, and Reverend Nicole Caldwell-Gross will begin her ministry here at Noblesville First. That got applause. <laughs> because it'll keep me from being, you know, you won't have to hear me. So that'll be, that's probably what that applause was for. <laughs> well, I hope you're all having a great Memorial Day weekend and you're uh, anticipating the remainder of this three-day weekend, which I guess is half over with now. Uh, and I know there are a lot of exciting things that we could all be doing uh, today and, and tomorrow, uh, this afternoon in Speedway, the 500-mile race. Please do not get up and run out now that I mentioned that. doesn't start till 1245 this afternoon, so you can hang in here with us till noon and still have 45 minutes of pre-race before that exciting start. Memorial Day weekend. There's so much to do. Besides going to the race... Families gather together, family reunions, barbecues, swimming, uh, boating, fishing. It's the unofficial start of summer, isn't it? But did you know it's only been a federal holiday since 1971? Charlene and I were married before it was a federal holiday. Guess that's why my hair is gray now. It is an official holiday, but there's a little bit of a story behind it becoming this federal holiday. It was originally known as Decoration Day, and it started in the uh, years following the Civil War when so many people died. Estimates are that at least 620,000 people died, and historians think that number could be higher, but they really didn't keep as good of records back then as we keep now. But I'm sure few people would dispute that almost half a million people perished in that war. Of course, since then, a lot of Americans have been in other wars and not come home, all having made the ultimate sacrifice. So as we enjoy our weekend, perhaps we could just take the time tomorrow and carve out a few minutes to remember the sacrifice of those who died while serving. For you see, through their sacrifice, they in effect became an offering for the rest of us. And when we talk about this kind of sacrifice, I, I'm going to put it, it's in the sense of suffering the loss of something precious, right? A life. To give it up for an ideal. 
a strongly held belief for some specific ends, such as protecting loved ones. As a Vietnam veteran, I resonate with this sense of sacrifice. And I know it includes more than just that ultimate sacrifice of life for those we honor on Memorial Day. It, it, it makes room um, for those who sacrifice with something other than ultimate, being injured while serving, uh, not being injured but having gone in harm's way, or maybe just time spent away from your family, from your loved ones. But as a veteran, I can't think that any of those who we, whose sacrifice we honor tomorrow believed they would become a sacrifice. Does anyone ever serve their country with the avowed intention of making that ultimate sacrifice? Well, possibly I can't speak for everyone who ever went to war, but I, I think those who serve pray and embrace hope that they will be coming home and will be able to move on with their lives. Sacrifice. You know, there's, there's nothing new about the concept of sacrifice. It goes back thousands and thousands of years, probably all the way back to the first human being. You can read a lot about it in many places in the Bible. I just pulled a few random examples of sacrifice. In Genesis, God favors Abel's animal sacrifice over Cain's grain offering. In Exodus, the Israelites ask Pharaoh's permission to go a, a couple of few days out in the desert uh, to sacrifice to God. Much of Leviticus is concerned with God's instructions to his people about how offerings or sacrifices should be made in the tent of meeting. These are really detailed instructions, not only about the tent of meeting itself, but about the altar within. And the types of sacrifices, what, what sacrifices are most acceptable and how they should be made. And in Numbers, there's a description of the offering of a flawless one-year-old lamb, a flawless uh, male lamb, a flawless one-year-old female lamb, and a basket of unleavened bread. All in all, there is a lot of detail involved. And when something is mentioned really often in the Bible, which sacrifice is, it always signals to us that this is something important and we should pay attention. Some of those descriptions, as I'm sure some of you might remember, seem pretty bloody and brutal to us who live in the 21st century. Here's an offering instruction from the first chapter of Leviticus. Quote, then you will slaughter the bull before the Lord. Aaron's sons will present the blood and toss it against every side of the altar. Then the entirely burned offering will be skinned and cut into pieces. Animals were ritually slaughtered and their blood was sprinkled on the horns of the altar, on the mercy seat. Why did the ancient Israelites go to all this trouble? And why are all those rules laid out in so much detail? Well, there was a good reason, a primary reason, for these kind of sacrifices, and it was about fellowship with God. Yeah, really? It sure seems like a lot of mess and trouble to me. 
The why is the people wanted to get right with God. When sin had put a person in the wrong with God, that person offered a sacrifice to atone for that sin. Another thing that we can see all through the Bible is how God left the Israelites in no doubt of his dislike for every kind of evil. But we can also see the many ways that God has showed his people love and forgiveness. And an important one of those was this system of sacrifice. It wasn't difficult for these ancient people, even with our almost non-existent state of medical knowledge, to understand that blood is life. We can just read that in Leviticus. A creature, a creature's life is in the blood. I have provided you the blood to make reconciliation for your lives on the altar because the blood reconciles by means of life. That's from Leviticus 17. This ancient system of sacrifice recognized that we are all sinners. And we are unable to deal with our sin on our own. And we don't measure up to God's standards. But God in his mercy has always provided humankind a way to atone for our sins. And this ancient system of blood sacrifice is the way that God provided for the Israelites. To make atonement. To make reconciliation with God. To get right and be at one with God. Well, that's the way it was then. But God has a different arrangement for us now. So let me once again call on Pastor Mary Eileen to uh, bring us a, the scripture and as she reads us from he reads to us from uh, Hebrews chapter 13. seems to be like some pretty dense stuff. I don't know how that came across to you, and I know it's a little bit hard to hear. <clears throat> I'm not a seminary professor, but maybe we can break that down just a little and pull out from it what form of sacrifice God might expect from us today. First, I was especially interested in that, in that uh, early uh, phrase, come to Jesus outside the camp. In the context of Hebrews, the time, and the time Hebrews was written, it may well have been a message to Jews who were coming around to joining the way of Christ to give up the rituals and practices of Judaism and give themselves over completely to the Christian practices of that time. In our 21st century context, I think, I think coming to Jesus outside the camp 
means to give up some of the things that give us feelings of security, but then also hold us back from the total fullness of our relationship with Jesus. But in bringing us this message, the author of Hebrews uses the image of the aftermath of the animal sacrifices. The <clears throat> After the sa sacrifices in the sanctuary, the animal remains were taken outside the boundaries of the Israelite camp. And he compares it to the fact that Jesus was crucified outside the gate of Jerusalem. So perhaps his point to those for whom he wrote in that day was to give up the security of following the old rules of the offering for the sake of association with Christ. We don't need to make offerings like that anymore. And I say that with more than a little relief. And the new covenant worshipers no longer need to offer those sacrifices as of old because Jesus has made the ultimate sacrifice for us. He shed his blood. If we want to offer a sacrifice in thanksgiving for that gift of Christ, what offering can we make? Well, the Apostle Paul has part of an answer for that in Romans 12. Brothers and sisters, because of God's mercies, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. Don't be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing, and what can endure. How do we go about become living sacrifices? We live in the world, but we must try not to be of the world. We can work through our faith and the good minds and free will that God has gifted us to find ways of living this life in the here and now so as to be pleasing to God. If you listen carefully to what Mary Eileen read from that Hebrew scripture, you heard a little bit about what is pleasing to God. So let's continually offer up a sacrifice of praise through him, which is the fruit of our lips, that confess his name. Let us continue to offer up our praise in genuine worship of God, in private worship, in prayer, worship in community like we're doing together this morning, sharing our joy in Christ with those who have not yet encountered the living Christ. Our praise doesn't always need to be accomplished with material offerings, but by boldly moving forward, open to new ways of praising God in worship at new times or new places with new people in a world that has radically changed in the last two years and it's still changing with ever increasing speed. We've already experienced changes because of the COVID pandemic. In what direction will the Holy Spirit nudge us next? What will be required of us? We need to pay careful attention to those nudges because they move us from the sacrifice of praise from the words that are pleasing to God to the sacrifice of actions that are pleasing to God. And that's what Hebrews next tells us, this text from Hebrews. Don't forget to do good and to share what you have because God is pleased with these kinds of sacrifices. Another way we can offer a pleasing sacrifice is by, pretty obvious, by doing good. 
sharing what we have is specifically mentioned in the text, but I, I know that working together we can think of so many more ways of doing good. Welcoming strangers, loving all of our brothers and sisters, regardless of who they are, where they come from, the color of their skin, committing both planned and random acts of hospitality, caring for those who are hurting, seeing needs we haven't seen before, and finding new and creative ways of meeting them. And even by continuing some of the ministries we already share with the Noblesville community and perhaps giving them new life as we see the needs that raised them in the first place change over time. So I, I just touched on some examples of how through what we offer back to God, we become living sacrifices in the imitation of Christ. Paul advocates that we use our God-given abilities to always be seeking knowledge, more knowledge, about what new things we can offer that are pleasing to God. This is even part of our United Methodist tradition, and we see the continual examination of Scripture through our reason and experience as our theological task as United Methodists and Christian people. You know, I started out saying this was a dense subject and only scratched the surface in my very small and inadequate way. I started this message this morning talking about those whose lives have been consumed in the fires of war and how we honor their sacrifice with Memorial Day. But upon reflection, through the sacrifice of Christ, a blood sacrifice we should not forget, we've been given a much better way to honor them tomorrow and to raise a pleasing aroma to God every day with our own offerings and sacrifices. I listed some sacrifices from Scripture, offering yourself to God in the imitation of Christ as a living sacrifice, offering a sacrifice of praise as we confess his name, doing good and sharing what we've been loaned from God. It seems that we can't only offer, we can't offer praise only, our good works only. We can't just do deeds of faith while keeping silent about our faith. It's a real temptation to keep quiet in a world where we're often discouraged about talking about faith in public. It's easy to be caught up in our busyness and put aside daily prayer and sometimes weekly worship and sharing ourselves and our gifts out in the community. But these are things that please God. These are some of the ways that we can offer ourselves to God, to make offering of ourselves to God. So this morning, let us continue to speak the words that are pleasing to God in prayer and in music while we're in this place, and then go out and produce fruit for the kingdom. This is the way we live out the commandment that Jesus left us, and John reports to us, and we heard it from Mary Eileen reading of John in the, as the opening scripture that we begin with this morning. Love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. We are needed more than ever before to be God's lips and God's hands in this world. Peace be with you. Amen.
enter into a time of, of prayer. And we will begin with silent prayers. We consider what offering, what sacrifice God would have us make. Then we will have a pastoral prayer and pray together the Lord's Prayer. Loving God who asks much of us and is ready to forgive much for us. We have much to pray for this morning. We pray for families and people, the families and people of Uvalde, Texas. Lord, our hearts are breaking. When we think of the deaths of these children and their teachers, when we think of the brutal grief of these families, when we think of the wounded and traumatized members of that community in Texas, we are filled with sadness and filled with despair. Jesus asked the children to come into his embrace. With bitter regret, we pray that these fallen children now will do so. We pray for what is impossible, comfort for their families. But we also pray that no other children or families will suffer the same. We pray that as a nation we will somehow learn to hold children safely in our arms, that we will learn to protect their lives and their futures. On this Memorial Day, we pray for those left behind when loved ones are taken by acts of war. We remember their families. We ask for your unique blessings to fill their homes, and we pray your peace, provision, and strength will fill their lives. May the members of our armed forces be supplied with courage to face each day and may they trust in you always. We pray for our church in this time of impending change that each and every child of God who comes to this place, no matter who they are, will feel the warmth of our embrace, the reflection of God's love, We are thankful for the hope and care that has shed abroad through the many ministries of Noblesville First. And we pray that we will always remain vigilant in discerning need in our community and open to the movement of the Holy Spirit. Be with us, Lord, as we move forward as a congregation in hope and love. And remember that we can be living sacrifices made possible 
by the sacrifice of Christ. And we pray that in the midst of a noisy, confusing, and messy world, we find a moment or two each day to seek your presence in prayer and always praying as we begin right now the prayer you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
As we go forth, let us go to enjoy ourselves on this wonderful weekend, but also with the memory of those who have served, but with the joy of the Lord's grace in our heart. Amen.